Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that your faith in Jesus Christ can actually bring an inexpressible and glorious joy into your life? Have you ever experienced the incredible joy and peace that comes with knowing Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior? Let's open our Bible now to 1 Peter chapter 1 and look at this incredible principle in the living Word of God. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. Uh, we are here in Texas and it is a Friday. I hope everyone's doing well today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Today we are going to do uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8, uh, picking up where we left off last time. So, um, you know, just incredible verses. Um, you know, it's going to talk about how, you know, the trials of our faith that we go through, um, the different difficulties that we go through and just, you know, what a benefit it really is for us and how it, you know, really does prove that we really are children of our heavenly father. We really are genuine Christians. Um, and, um, and really how beneficial it is to us. It really is an amazing concept. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about these verses, talk about how much we love Jesus, even though we didn't get to see him. Right. Um, you remember that uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, Simon Peter, um, you know, he he was able to walk with Jesus three and a half years where he was actually with Jesus physically in this world. And that's not something that any of us have ever been able to uh, to experience. But at the same time, we still have this relationship with Jesus. And Peter talks about how amazing that is. So anyway, wonderful verses. We're going to go ahead and pray and invite Jesus into our time. And uh, we are going to get rolling. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you and we praise you. We do invite you into this day. We do thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Um, we just love you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we invite you into this teaching now. And uh, we ask you to lead us and guide us. Holy Spirit, give us eyes that see you and ears that hear you as we open the living word of God, the scriptures. We love you. We bless you. And we thank you, Father. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. First Peter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, as we discussed last time, when you when you read the scriptures, when you read the living word of God, you know, you really want to think about what you're reading. You want to pick apart the verses slowly. You want to really consider them. You know, uh, even when I was just reading that, and I've read it many, many times, it's um, it's just, yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, there are things there where, where when I read in verse 8, he said, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And, and, and frankly, I'm thinking to myself that that's not generally the state of my life or really anyone I know. You know, um, for Peter, apparently, you know, to consider Jesus and to think about Jesus and to walk with Jesus and to, you know, just have relationship with Jesus. The consequence of that, of believing in Jesus, was for Peter that he was filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And, uh, and I confess that, you know, that is not the moment by moment, day by day experience of my life. I do have these mountaintop experiences sometimes where, uh, you know, where I do experience Jesus in, in a, in what for me is a somewhat profound way. Um, but man, I don't, you know, I don't know if I've gotten to this place where I have been filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. But I know that I want it. And Lord Jesus, I uh, I pray that you would help us one and all. Help us one and all. Just uh, that our faith might be refined, Lord. That we might grow closer and closer to you, Lord Jesus. That we might be filled in an experiential way with this inexpressible and glorious joy, Lord. I ask you to, to remove from us, Lord, and to purify us of all that's in us and in our faith that keeps us from experiencing this inexpressible and glorious joy. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, so again, I was just reading verse eight there. So again, when you read your Bible, Scott, you see, you look down at verse eight, Matthew. Um, Matthew is Scott's son, um, and so uh, I often tie them together. Um, and they, they believe it or not, they need to be consistently rebuked. These two men, I love them. They're wonderful. I'm very close with both of them. Scott, I've known for, for 40 years, and his son Matthew is 25 years old, and, uh, you know, uh, we are very, very close. We're, we, we are really like family. But, uh, I mean, these men need some rebuke. So uh, that's why I often use them in times where, you know, I need to insert a name um, for, uh, for rebuke, right? And then, you know, the wonderful ladies, right? Um, Lynn's and, uh, and, um, and um, Esther and my wife, May. You know, I use all y'all for the compliments. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, when it says, guys, you know, when you read your Bible where it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. I'm in verse eight now. And even though you do not see him now, 
you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. When we read our, our Bibles, y'all, we, uh, you want to stop and think about that. You know, you want to, you don't just want to read over the Bible. You want to really, you know, just meditate on that. Right, sweetheart? Um, you know, when you just think of that scripture, I mean, let it, let it wash over you. Let it just be washed in the water of that word, Kristen, right? Um, I mean, how often, sweetheart, Kristen is my beautiful daughter. She's, uh, you know, she's a part of the production team at Kingdom Discipleship and, uh, she, she works with, uh, with Steven and the other people. And so I just, uh, you know, appreciate you guys. I love you. Um, but her and I discuss these things a lot and, uh, just, you know, how much of your life, Kristen, would you say that, you know, when you read first Peter one, verse eight, though you have not seen him, that's true. You love him. And that's true. You do love Jesus, right? And even though you do not see him now, which certainly you're not able to see Jesus, you remember Peter again was able to behold Jesus, walk with Jesus, live with Jesus for three and a half years every day they were together, right? But Peter's acknowledging that although he has seen him, he has spent time with him, he has lived with him, that Pretty much all the other Christians he's writing to, every one of them has never been able to see Jesus. They haven't had that privilege that Peter had, right? Um, and so he's telling them this incredible blessing that even though you haven't seen him as I have, is what Peter's saying. Peter has certainly seen him. And even though you don't see him now, and Peter doesn't see him now either when he's writing this, you know, Jesus has been ascended and uh, is in heaven. He says, even though you haven't had these blessings, you believe in him. And that's true. We do believe in Jesus. If you're a Christian today, then you believe in Jesus and you're trusting in Jesus. To believe in Jesus doesn't mean simply to intellectually acknowledge or give assent to the existence of Jesus Christ. So look inside your heart today, wherever you are. And what does it mean for you to believe in Jesus? Okay. Belief in Jesus. When Peter says here to believe in him, again, he's not simply saying to acknowledge that Jesus existed at some point. He's not even saying to acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross, which he did. He's not even saying to acknowledge that Jesus raised from the dead. All those things are true. To believe in Jesus means to trust in Jesus to rely on Jesus, to have your full and complete confidence in Jesus as your only Lord and Savior and Master and King. It means to trust in Jesus and rely on Jesus with all of your confidence as your only hope for the salvation of your soul and the forgiveness of your sins and to have relationship with him and with your heavenly Father. So, it would be similar to where if I said, um, you know, if I said, Lauren, I believe in you, sweetheart. Lauren is my other daughter. When I tell my daughter, Lauren, honey, I believe in you. I'm not telling her that I believe she exists. Does that make sense? When I say, Lauren Bailey, I believe in you, sweetheart. I'm not saying what I mean by that is not that I believe she exists 
and is a real person. That's not what I mean when I tell her that I believe in her, is it? Make sense? Of course not. What it means when I say, Lauren Bailey, I believe in you, is that I believe you can do it, whatever we're talking about. I trust in you, honey. I know that I know that I know that you can do it. I believe in you. I trust in you. I have full confidence in you, Lauren, right? That's what it means to believe in Jesus. So look in, in your heart today. Everyone listening to this undoubtedly believes that Jesus existed, that he walked the earth, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was raised from the dead. But are you actually trusting and relying on Jesus today? Do you have your full confidence in Jesus? Do you know your complete and total and desperate need of Jesus? The Bible says that all human beings are sinful. That every one of us has an immense debt to God the Father. We have what's called a sin debt to God the Father. And that debt has to be satisfied before we leave this life. There are only two ways to have your sin debt paid. You can either put your full trust and confidence and faith and reliance in what Jesus Christ has done for you at the cross. You can call on him and pray, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. Jesus, I believe you're alive and risen. And Jesus, I trust you now and ask you to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all of my faith, all of my trust, all of my confidence, all of my belief in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. If you'll pray that prayer, and you'll believe and trust in Jesus and zealously call out to him to be the Lord of your life, Romans 10, 13 promises. The book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, not might be saved. You will be saved from your sin and go to heaven when you die and have relationship with the Holy Trinity. But you have to mean it, right? You have to genuinely out of a sincere heart, call on Jesus, knowing your complete and total and desperate need of him. And if you'll do that, your entire sin debt, every sin you've ever committed and are responsible to God the Father for that sin, every single one of them will be forgiven, washed away in the blood of Christ, and it will be paid and satisfied by the agonizing, torturous death of Jesus Christ at the cross, right? The love of Jesus Christ when he opened his arms and was nailed to the cross will absorb all of your sin. Jesus will take all of your sin, past, present, and future into himself. And in exchange, you will be credited with the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived when he walked the earth. My, uh, my soon-to-be son-in-law, Nathan, who is just, uh, who I love so very much, my man, uh, my daughter, Kristen's fiance, him and I have discussed these principles over and over and over and over, and he's uh, just doing a great job in learning them and understanding them and just, you know, walking in them. 
But him and I talk about this principle, this incredible exchange, right, Nathan, of the the incredible exchange of all of my sin for the perfect righteous life of Jesus Christ. That incomprehensible mercy, that incomprehensible even thought is actually the heart of the Christian gospel. And in that, your sin debt is paid. You're made completely righteous as you receive the fully righteous life of Jesus Christ in exchange for your sin. And you stand holy and righteous before God in spirit, in your spirit. Now in your soul, in your mind, will, and emotions, you and I still have some problems and we still walk in sin. And that won't be completely purified until you get to the next life. But in your spirit, you are completely sinless. Your whole spirit has been cleansed. You are alive spiritually. The entire debt is paid by Jesus Christ at the cross. Now, I did say that there's a second way for your sin debt to be paid. And regrettably, the only other way for your sin debt to be paid is by spending eternity in hell paying for it yourself. And because the interest on that sin is so great, it never gets paid. And you have to spend eternity in hell separated from the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Those are the only two ways. So if you're not actively believing and trusting in Jesus Christ today, then do that right now. Rewind the tape and call on Jesus and ask him to be the Lord of your life. All right. 16 minutes. I got a great clock up there that uh, Stephen has for me so I can see how far I am. All right. So we might as well finish up verse 8 since we jumped there. Verse 8, he says, though you have not seen him, and you and I, again, have not seen Jesus, you love him, and hopefully we're growing to love Jesus. And even though you do not see him now, which we don't see him physically, you, you believe in him. We do believe in him. And are filled with an inexpressible and gl glorious joy. And you already heard me talk about that. That's, uh, that's really something I want to be able to grow in. Because I do believe in Jesus. And I do trust in him. And I believe I do have this joy. But it just doesn't seem as inexpressible as I'd like it to be. I mean, when I hear an inexpressible and gl glorious joy, that means I'm just so joyful, so overwhelmed, so excited that I can't even, I don't even have words to express it, y'all. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm there. I don't know it <laughs> because, you know, I want to have an inexpressible joy, Stephen. But uh, but it seems to me that I can express my joy. So I have I have some ways to go in this. Verse nine will do an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith. Verse nine for you are receiving the goal of your faith the salvation of your souls. So our faith has many, many, many benefits, okay? Um, it's in faith that we walk in relationship with Jesus and with our Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit and we hang out with them and we get to know them and we just have community and relationship with the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But the ultimate goal of our faith, verse 9, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, is the salvation of our souls. Your spirit is already saved and perfect, okay? If you're in Jesus Christ today, you're one with him in spirit. You're married to Jesus. You're the bride of Jesus Christ. A few times ago, we talked about this new birth. New birth simply means that you're, 
when you receive Jesus, the spirit of Jesus came and became one with your spirit. And when that happened, you became alive spiritually. You became a spiritually alive being. And the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of your heavenly father is one with you. And, you know, you're already saved spiritually. Your destiny in heaven is sealed. If you know Jesus Christ today, you're married to him. He's never going to leave you if you truly know him. Okay? If you truly know him. Not just believe in him intellectually, but are truly trusting and relying on him completely and totally for the forgiveness of your sin and the salvation of your soul. Um, when he says you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? And that's, that is still here in our body, in our mind, in our head, right? In our brain, our mind, will, and emotions are still in our earthly body, in our earthly brain. And those are in the process of salvation. And if you are a Christian, a genuine Christian today, you, they will ultimately and absolutely be saved. But that will not happen. The salvation of your soul will not happen until you die and go to heaven with Jesus or until Jesus comes and gets you and I, right? And at that point, not only will your spirit be saved, but your soul will be saved, right? Um, saved in the fact that it will be removed from this life, right? The goal of your faith, believe it or not, is to look forward to a time where you won't need your faith anymore. Right? In this life, we have to live our lives by faith. And we kind of did this backwards. I don't know why that is. I, I hope it was led by the Holy Spirit. Um, but the goal of your faith is to look forward to a time when it's not going to have to be by faith anymore. Remember, when Peter walked with Jesus, he didn't have to walk with him by faith those first three and a half years. Jesus was physically with him. There was no need of faith. Jesus was right there, right? Now, he still had to trust in Jesus as his Savior, but Jesus was right there in front of him, right? He could see him, as we've already talked about, right? Um, for you and I, we've, we've never been able to see Jesus with our natural eyes. This whole thing is set up for us that we have to do it by faith. We have to believe in him and trust in him and rely on him and walk with him and love him and obey him all by faith. But the goal of our faith, the whole, the end of our faith will be on the last day, the last hour, the last moment of our earthly life. If we're in Christ, our faith will have been completed and will go to be with Jesus. And our soul will be saved. Our mind, will, and emotions will be saved along with our spirit. And we'll get a new heavenly body as well. Isn't that exciting? That's good stuff, man. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The goal of your faith is the day that you don't have to have faith anymore. And won't that be a good day? I mean, faith is, I'm glad that I have the faith that I have. And I want my faith to grow. But I tell you this, I'll be glad when I don't need it anymore. because. I'm with Jesus, and it's not by faith anymore, right? Because I'll, have, I'll see him. I'll be with him. In heaven, you're not going to have to 
believe in him by faith, trust in him by faith, because you'll be with him tangibly. It'll all be very clear as if Jesus was with you right now. Won't that be a glorious day? Thank you, Lord Jesus. The goal of your faith is not only the salvation of your spirit, which you have now, but the ultimate saving of your mind, will, and emotions, your soul, all your thinking in heaven, where at that point, you won't have to have faith anymore in Jesus, right? That time will have gone, right? You won't have to believe that Jesus exists. You won't have to trust in the fact that he died for you and rose again. It'll all be plain right before your eyes, right? You remember the Hebrew writer said, faith is the evidence of things believed in Hebrews, right? 11.1, 1, yet not yet seen. In heaven, you're going to see it. It'll be amazing. All right, verse nine, verse six, I'm sorry, verse six. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So he says, in this you greatly rejoice. And what's he talking about? Remember in verse five, he said that through your faith, you're shielded by God's power. And we talked about last time, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So we're shielded by our faith. We're saved by Jesus through faith, our faith, right? Um, and it says this will be the case until the coming of our salvation. And that again means until we die and go to heaven to be with Jesus or until Jesus comes and gets us. Either way, we're through faith, we're shielded by God's power. The same thing, we're saved from our sin through faith. It's not faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith that saves us. Jesus Christ is what saves us. But it's through faith that we're saved, right? It's through our faith, trust, reliance on Jesus Christ that we're saved. But we are actually saved by Jesus Christ. We're not saved by our faith. We're saved by the object of our faith, Jesus Christ. I heard one pastor give an example one day saying, I can believe that the ice can hold me if I'm out ice fishing, right? I can have faith that the, the ice can hold me. But if I go out there and put my 200 plus pounds on the ice, all the faith in the world isn't going to save me if the object of my faith, in this case, the ice on the pond, isn't strong enough. The good news is the object of our faith, God the Son, Jesus Christ, he is strong enough. He's God, and he gave his life for us so that we know that we know that we know he not only can save us, but has saved us if we will trust in him and get put our full trust in him. So he says that, you know, who through faith, verse 5, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation. Again, your salvation is either when you die and leave this body or go to heaven that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And the last time will either be our last breath on earth or when Jesus comes to get us. And then in verse six, he said, in this, you greatly rejoice, right? So we do look forward to that day. We do look forward and rejoice in the day that we get to be with Jesus in person. We get to go to heaven. We get to move on to the next life and just be with him, right? And we don't have to be in this world with all the pain and hurt and anguish, and trials, right? It gets hard, doesn't it, y'all? 
It just gets hard sometimes, right? And he's going to say that in verse 6. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Isn't that true? We do rejoice that the day is coming when we get to be with Jesus and not be in this world anymore. But he says, while we're in this world, we rejoice in that. Verse 6, though now for a little while, for a little while means, you know, compared to eternity in heaven, whatever we're going through now is just a comparative tiny, tiny bit, right? Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. And in truth, this is the reality of every person, every Christian in the world. Why they are, while they're in the body, we are consistently, in one way or another, seemingly suffering grief in all different kinds of trials, right? Think about it. Is, is your life ever just perfect? Is your life ever at a point where you just never have a problem, never have a trial, never have a grief, never have a difficulty? I confess one of my sinful tendencies is that I want that in this life. I just want my life to be perfect. I don't, I don't like problems. The only thing I like about a problem is when it ends. And, and the Bible says that's not how we should approach them. We should see these, as we're going to see in the next verse, in verse 7, we should see these, uh, these trials and the grief we have in these trials as a benefit to us. But the truth is that, that we do, and all of us, are facing trials right at this moment. There's not a person listening to this or watching this that doesn't understand or know the various different trials and difficulties in their life and in the lives of others. And that is the case in the Christian life. You know, sometimes we can, you know, we make a mistake as ministers when we're talking to people about what the Christian life is about, and we may... You know, we, we, we promise things that are not biblical, right? You're not going to have a perfect life when you give your life to Christ. Quite the contrary. If you and I give our lives to Christ, then the more closely we, we grow to him, oftentimes the more difficult things may become in our life. Now, they won't, the closer you grow to Jesus, they won't feel as difficult, right? So the more the trials come into your life, the more you're equipped to manage the trials because you're closer to Jesus Christ. And that's what he's going to say here, right? So it's kind of exciting because the trials are put there, as we're going to see in verse 7, so that you would know Jesus better, so that your faith, right, is not only one proved to be authentic and real, right, like you really do have faith in Jesus, and you know that because as you go through the trial, you continue to call out to him, you continue to rely on him, you continue to pray, you continue to ask Jesus to be a part of it, you continue to know that Jesus is the only answer, and you're excited that that even if the trial ends in your death, that's the best thing because you get to go be with Jesus, right? Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Verse 7, these have come so that, this is verse 7, and again, you see how we study this? These have come, grief in all kinds of trials, suffering grief in all kinds of trials, right? It's not only the trials, but we're allowed to suffer grief in the trials, right? You know, I wish my, my trials didn't cause any grief, right? But 
trials and difficulties, whatever they are, no matter what it is, anything that you've been upset about today is a trial or a grief, right? Anything you're frustrated about is a grief, right? You know, everyone has different trials, different frustrations, different griefs. And certainly there are trials that some people have that are far harder than what other people have, right? Um, the Lord has allowed some people to go through unbelievable trials, right? I have said this before. I have a brother named Abraham um, who I've known, um, you know, coming up on 40 years, right? And he is a uh, quadriplegic and has been in a wheelchair. I don't know what it's been, 20 years? Quadriplegic, completely paralyzed. Seems unfathomable to me. But that's the trial the Lord has allowed him to endure. And I've said before that, uh, that this man endures this trial like, you know, like uh, better than really anyone I know deals with the trials that they have. And, uh, you know, he really is a, an inspiration in that. And, and many of us know people that inspire us because they deal with seemingly very difficult trials better than then you and I deal with uh, seemingly far easier trials, right? But why are the trials there? Verse 7, these have come so that your faith, okay? So Peter is saying that Jesus either allows or brings the trials into your life so that your faith, your faith of greater worth than gold, the most valuable thing in your life, is your faith. You were saved through your faith in Jesus Christ. Your relationship with Jesus Christ and Jesus is obviously the most valuable thing, but it wasn't until you had faith in Jesus that that, that uh, relationship was consummated, that you became one with Jesus in spirit, right? Um, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold. Father, I ask you to forgive us where we, we put so much value on the things of the world, on, the, the, on our money and on just having nicer houses and cars of, you know, just things, Lord, of, you know, of tangible material value, Lord. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. Did you know that gold, the metal gold, is one of the most durable things in the world, in the earth? Gold is one of the most durable things in the world, but, but even ultimately, it will be destroyed. Okay? Um, your faith will never be destroyed. Okay? No matter what happens in this life, your faith will never be destroyed. Okay? Your faith in Christ, again, will be transformed when you get to heaven, and it won't, you know, it won't be active in the same way it is today. There won't be the need of that. But he says, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. Number one, when you go through trials and you continue to rely on Jesus, and trust in him, even though you're frustrated, even though you're angry, you continue to trust in him, rely on him, work to obey him, um, you know, work to repent where, where, where you don't act right. It's something I have to do consistently, regrettably. Um, 
These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, these trials have come so that your faith, which perishes even though refined by fire, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved, number one, genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So when trials and grief come in our life, right? When trials come and the grief comes because of those trials and we're suffering in all these things, um, our faith is being tested, right? And the first thing is that when your faith is tested, when you go through trials, do you just give up on your relationship with Jesus? Do you say, ah, that, that Jesus stuff, it doesn't work? No. And if you do, then you need to give your life to Jesus Christ truly and genuinely. Because if you're a true and genuine Christian today, you don't give up on it, right? Now, none of us are perfect, right? We, we all have bad days. We all struggle. You know, we all, you know, have days we're not doing well in Jesus, right? But hopefully none of us just say, yeah, I don't need that Jesus anymore. I don't need him anymore. He, yeah, I don't believe in that anymore. That should never happen, okay? Because if that happens, that means your faith is not genuine, Okay. So we may be hurt, we may be frustrated when we go through trials, but when we continue to rely on Jesus Christ, again, I'm not saying perfectly, um, I'm embarrassed to say how sinful I can be when I'm going through things that, uh, that are unpleasant to me. Forgive me, Lord. Um, but I never give up on Jesus. And you never give up on Jesus. You never stop trusting in him, knowing your need of him, knowing that he's your only hope, your Lord, your Savior, your Master and King. You never stop believing that, you know what, that this life is only temporary and that your eternity in heaven is really the, the importance of your life, right, is what you're looking forward to. Um, and so the Lord allows these things or even causes these, uh, these trials and the grief that comes from the trials in our lives so that when we, when we persevere and go through it, it says it results in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. When, when we hang on to Jesus going through difficulties and trials and continue to, to just trust in him, let alone praise him, it really does bring honor and glory and praise to, to God the Father, God the Son, and to God the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, the trials are there to, to purify our faith, as I've often said, right, Chloe? The trials are there, you know, that our faith may be purified, that the impurities in our faith might be removed. And so that when the impurities are taken out, as I've said, and that's what these trials do, just like when gold goes through, like the hottest fire you could ever imagine, gold is purified in like a white fire that's so hot there's no words but even the fire doesn't destroy the gold gold is so strong that it's refined in the fire the impurities are removed but the fire doesn't even destroy it right if you were and i were putting any of this fire you know like you could put gold inside the fire like a cremation fire when someone's cremated you know they're they're putting a fire and, and when the fire goes on like everything is just gone right? The body, the bones, everything is just gone. Gold won't go anywhere, but it will purify the gold. It will take the impurities out of the gold. 
in the fire of trials and difficulties and the grief that comes with it is what the Lord uses to purify our faith, to get the impurities out of our faith. And the more we get the impurities, the more the Lord gets the impurities out of our faith, the more powerful our faith will be, the more tangible our faith will be, the more exciting our faith will be. And then we will be filled increasingly with this inexpressible and glorious joy that Peter talks about in verse 8. And that seem exciting. It is exciting, but, you know, frankly, as I've said, I, I have to do a better job in, in just uh, the way I go through these trials, right? I think most of us do. You know, we go through trials and we don't often have a, the best of attitudes when we go through them. So, Father, we just love you. We bless you and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for just uh, for our faith, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our faith. Above all, of course, we thank you for Jesus, the object of our faith that saved us, Lord. Um, Father, we do ask you to, we humbly ask you in the fear of God to purify our faith, to get the impurities out of our faith, Lord, that we might be increasingly filled with what Peter says here is this inexpressible and glorious joy as we receive the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Lord, I just pray your continued blessing on us, one and all, Father, spirit, soul, heart, mind, and body. Jesus, we just love you, and we bless you, and we thank you, and we worship you, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us today and, and live these principles out in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.